Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, everyone. Welcome to The Tint. I'm Scott Feldman, your host, and thanks for stopping by. Today, we have a very special guest, uh, a friend of ours, uh, someone that's no stranger to just about anybody in the aquarium world. We have the aquascaper himself, Mr. George Farmer. George, say hi. Welcome. Yeah, hi, Scott. Thanks for having me on. Always a pleasure. Always fun to see you. And uh, I, first of all, I want to start off, um, congratulations on 100,000 plus subscribers on YouTube. That's pretty incredible, right? Yes, yes. It's, um, yeah, it's, it's really cool. And I try not to get obsessed about numbers because it, it, it's not about the numbers, but I guess it's... Uh, an important milestone and it, it gave me kind of an opportunity to reflect on on where I've been, uh, where I am and, and where I'm going. So yeah, it's, it's an important, it was an important milestone. And it really was. And, and when you really think about it, I mean, a hundred thousand, especially in the aquarium hobby, that's a, that's a huge, a huge number. And, and that's a lot of engaged people. And you've been doing that since what, about 2008 or 2006, was it when you first started? Um, using? Yeah, I mean, I started kind of, getting seriously involved in the industry in 2006 when I started writing for Practical Fish Keeping magazine. Right. Yeah, that's when it, when it all kind of started properly. Yeah, that's cool. And then I started a YouTube channel. I actually started a creative YouTube channel again in 2006, but I didn't really take YouTube seriously till sort of two, two years ago. Right. Yeah. Right. But now, I mean, like, it's funny because you notice the the topics, the quality of your production is like right up there with the best of them in the aquarium, you know, YouTube world. So it's kind of fun to see that you've, you've kind of, your audience has evolved with you and um, it's really neat to see. Uh, Kind of since you've been in the hobby uh, and and I know you've been like an active aquascaper, how long would you say it's been that you really went head over into aquascaping and i know watching your bio it was after the, the you got back from uh from iraq i guess or that that you started Afga- really afghanistan, getting, afghanistan yeah. excuse me you, yeah. you started really getting into um aquascaping as a as a profession almost and and yeah how's that been it, yeah so it was 2014 end of 2013 where i where i left the area mm-hmm. and decided to to go full fully aquatic, so to speak, um, and it, it was yeah, it was it was a logical decision. I, I could have stayed in in the air force, but it wasn't it wasn't a, a career that I, I was passionate passionate about, you know. And I think you know, as far as we know, we only get one life, and <laughs> it, it's really important to live it just, as best you can. So yeah. that, that's what I decided to do was to to pursue that passion, and yeah, no regrets so far. Absolutely. So, and and you know what? And it's funny because I, when we talk about aquascapers, and everybody's pretty familiar with a lot of the the, the, the the people that are that are you know in the aquascaping gaming. Your name is always at the top of everybody's most liked because, and I'll tell you why. I know why you're one of my favorites, and um, at the risk of sounding fanboyish, it's it's because you're sort of you can take an idea and make it very relatable. And I think in the aquascaping world, as a, as a sort of an outsider in that world, I look at it and I see a lot of people think that it's unattainable. They can't do, you know, there's some, like there's some standard judging them and you're very non-judgmental. You're about what, enjoy what you do. And it really yeah. reflects in the work. Have you seen a lot of changes in the world of aquascaping since you've been involved, particularly in just, you know, everybody getting involved? Is it, is it, more inclusive now or what do you what do you think that's a really that's a really good question quite a complex one yeah. um i'll try to break it down um first of all thank you for the lovely feedback <laughs> I, I do i do try to make uh the hobby as accessible to people because you know the future of the hobby is in the beginners it's in the entry level uh, and encouraging this so i guess uh, when a newcomer sees a high-end scape it does look a little bit unattainable a little bit inaccessible yeah so i, I kind of make no apology about 
my escapes being relatively simple when you when you compare it to the winners of the IAPLC and, and these you know these top level com- competing aquascapers I'm nowhere near that level and I don't I don't try to be um, right. I, I try I try to create something that's still beautiful but still attainable by by the masses so um, I, you know, I will use a stock list of plants, you know, Java Fern, right. Crips, Anubius, you know, and then I may make no apology for that uh, because they are all easy and most people can grow them and still have, have a beautiful aquascape. Yeah. Um, and and to, to answer the other point about the the changes in, in aquascaping since I started, I, I guess the level that if you can call it that, the, the overall standard of, of the top end mm-hmm. has, in, has increased. Um, in, and, and, there's, and there's been a definite sort of shift in the style right. of the classic nature aquarium, which which I know and love from, from, from the Amano days. Right. Um, so now these much kind of more uh, detailed, hardscape, heavy layouts with, uh, you know, diorama, right. you know, um, these, these natural kind of, mimicking landscapes or, or creating a- actual underwater landscapes with caves and, and super detailed rock work, uh, twigs, mosses. You know, this is a direction uh, that, that in the, in especially the last sort of five years mm-hmm. with, with the proliferation of like the, what we call the Indonesian style with these super fine use of, of uh, driftwood, etc. Right. Um, and, and I think this is great and it's always it's great, it's interesting to see an evolution. Um, but from my perspective, still, I, I I like to make it relatable and actually a nice place for the fish as well. Yes, you know, a lot of a lot of these aquascapes aren't necessarily conducive to promote the the the, the needs of the fish. So um, you know, my, my scapes tend to be have quite a lot of open swimming space still for the fish and lots of shade and uh, 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 you know and. Um, I think this is an important uh, thing to, to pass on to the newcomers as well. It's not just about creating something that's beautiful to look at. It's right. also about creating an ideal home for the for the livestock that you're keeping. You are you are speaking to to the right crowd. I mean, that's exactly what I say. I call I call it functional aesthetics. It, it looks good, yeah, but it's something the fish it, live in. Yeah. And I know you've talked about this. I remember seeing you and Yuris talking about this once before about how you feel that. It, it is important to make uh, essentially a habitat for fish and they're the ones that have to live in the environment and do you feel fish are underrated in the aquascaping world in other words it seems like a lot of the competitive scapes the fish are almost viewed as like an accessory you know sort of a piece of of uh, a final touch as opposed to the real subject it seems like you've sort of taken a reverse approach over the years and i know yeah. it goes back yeah, you know i guess so it- I, think, I do think in the in the competing aquascapers, the the fish are very much, um, yeah, the icing on the cake, um, and they they are they're not necessarily the driving force behind the uh, the style that I think the the aquascapers created uh, in terms of of the hardscape and, and the plant choice, and then the fish match that. Um, yeah. Whereas I think for anyone, for a kind of a regular aquarium hobbyist, it's the fish choice that comes first, and then hopefully the aquascape is created around fish choice. Right. I think it's, it's kind of really putting it simply, and there are exceptions. Um, there's some top level aquascapers that very much do consider the fish um, as well. Um, but they're not mutually exclusive either. You know, you can have a beautifully right. designed aquascape and match match the fish accordingly, and, and the fish will still be very much, um, you know, comfortable and, and exhibit natural behaviour within that aquascape. So mm. it, it, it's, um, it's it's lots of areas. It's lots of grey areas. It's not like professional or high end scapers don't care about fish and non. Right, competing aquascapers don't care about the aquascape. It, it, it is somewhere it's in between. Whole, it's, it's a whole spectrum. Yeah, and you know what's funny is that I remember going back to your many articles in Practical Fish Keeping. I, I do you remember? You probably remember the rocket killifish tank that you did. Yes, that is goes to me. That was like, I think it was it was a little outside of your typical style of what you do, but it was so right, and it 
I think that was one that really woke up a lot of people. I know here in the States, it woke up a lot of people to, hey, you can actually design a scape around a specific fish. And in this case, it was a fish that you don't see all the time. And And I think there's a lot to be said for that. And I think that's one of the things I think people really can take away from your work. It's, it's very life. It's, a, it's a ecosystem oriented. And I think that that's something that I hope a lot of people take that away from your work. And I think you seem to emphasize that quite a bit. Mm, thank you. I think um, it's an interesting point. I think I was almost forced down this path in a way because I was doing a lot of work for practical fish keeping. And mm-hmm. I, actually, I think it was sort of 2000 and, I want to say sort of 2008 to 10. Yeah, yeah it was like I was 10 doing, years ago. I was doing um, a series of biotopes uh, for the magazine. So every month I was creating a new biotope. So I was really having to think about the, the style of the scape and, and the fish. So the fish would come first, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I'd choose the hardscape materials uh, and the plants, if there were plants, according to that species. And then the challenge was creating the aesthetic, so you, to create a, a well-composed, uh, well-balanced and, and visually appealing aquascape uh, using these kind of uh, li- limited materials, if you like, because right. they, had, they had to represent this habitat. Right. And so this really, um, this was a great, this was a great exercise for me. This was a great practice, and it just made me think about think about things in a different way. And I, and I guess those lessons have, have stayed with me. And I still use elements of those, even in a purely kind of planted aquascape with no real uh, aim to create natural habitat. But right. There's still ele- elements of that. There's still a theme. So if if, if I use a, a Southeast Asian plant-dominated scape, which I often do with Java ferns and crypts and Vucamalandra, mm-hmm. I'll often almost subconsciously stick with the Southeast Asian fish. Right. So although, although those fish don't, um, not necessarily found with those plants. They're still on the same continent. But right. I always feel a little bit odd sticking a load of South American fish right. in a scape which is dominated by Asian plants. Um, <laughs> I can relate. It, it, yeah. So it's, it's interesting. And, and I think almost having been my hand forced creatively, I think is actually a really interesting um, way, to, way to uh, grow as an artist, as a yeah. hobbyist, because you're not, you, you, you're forced to think outside your comfort zone, which in any walk of life is, is essential for you to grow, uh, in, in any respect. Ab- absolutely. And, and it's funny, that was one of the questions I was going to ask you is you tend to get out of your comfort zone a lot. You're, you're not from the work I see from you, it's almost never the same. You're always trying something different. And I love that. Because, <laughs> or, you should speak to <laughs> The people say it's too the same. They criticize me. <laughs> no, I really don't. You know, and it's funny. You have a style. A lot of people have a style. I could look at like Jeff Sensky's style. I could look at, yeah. you know, yours style. I could look at your style. Uh, and, and I know that's a George Farmer tank. But you, yeah. but but you put your own spin on it, and and you, it seems like you're always doing something that's just a little bit different. And I think my my question is, do you what gets you excited uh, in an aquascape? What is there an uh, the idea of doing something new? Is it using a new material? What is the thing that really you go, wow, I can't wait to do well, an aquascape? Do you know what? I'm so lucky, and that I'm excited really easily. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> good. It's a good in, thing in, to have. Anything to do with aquascaping. So right. it could be something as simple as seeing a, a, a new species of fish that I've never seen, mm-hmm. and then that will ignite an idea of, oh, that would look good in this kind of scape. It could be seeing a new plant. It, it could right. be just seeing a, a different kind of style or a way a hardscape's used or a hardscape material. The most exciting part of the process for me is is actually that, that empty tank. Uh, seeing a, a nice, really clean, empty tank, mm-hmm. you know, just cleaned it with some glass cleaner and uh, all the equipment's looking shiny. And and then I've got this blank canvas of right. infinite, infinite potential, and, and what do I do? And um, yeah, yeah that, that, that's the most exciting part for me. Now, yeah. now, when you select your materials, like, do you, when you're doing escape, like for a video or for a store demo or whatever, is it literally you walk into the store and you say, okay, this rock is talking to me, this piece of wood seems like it's yeah. going to work? Or how do you yeah. do your own scapes? Do you, how do you select materials? What's your process? Yeah, it's. Um, I don't sort of recommend this to beginners, but uh, I, I literally just, I did a workshop at the weekend. I didn't have any 
idea what plants they had in stock or hardscape they had in stock. Mm-hmm. So I, I literally walk in and then I'll, I'll look around the, the availability and then within five minutes I, I've formulated a plan in, in my mind of what, of what materials and, and where they're going to go. It's that's, quite straightforward. But that's, that's a scary process for a lot of people though, you know, <laughs> <laughs> just going in cold. <laughs> yeah, but it's, um, you know, I, I'm very lucky in the UK that there are more and more aquascaping um, specialist stores or, yeah. or early stores which have some some very good materials. So it's actually, and this is another interesting point, um, for, for a beginner, sometimes it can be a bit overwhelming if you do have so much right. selection, availability, it, it can it can be, a, you know, it's too much, almost too much choice. Whereas if the store stocks uh, a smaller selection but they're still good quality then, then this this can maybe be easier that's but, true um yeah my, my process is is very much um what we say in the uk uh, england uh, flying by the seat of my pants <laughs> you say the same so, thing uh, here yep yeah yeah so just uh, just wing it winging it really um sometimes <laughs> a store will have a very um for a workshop they'll have they'll have an idea or they'll they'll have a certain range of plants or hardscape that they want to promote so obviously uh, I'll use that, um, mm. but usually they're, they're very they're very happy for me just to to go with the flow. Sure. Um, yeah. yeah. Do, do you um and and that's the other thing too. Um, is there a particular material like if you're left to your own devices and you are setting up a tank at home in your gallery? Yeah. What is your favorite? For example, what's your favorite wood? What's your favorite rock? What's your favorite plant at the moment? I know that at probably moment, changes. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's a good question. Um, well, first of all. I really love the old school Takashi Amano style. So, yes. uh, you know, um, classic kind of wood and, and stone composition, nothing too detailed, mm-hmm. uh, quite quite bold sort of uh, forms uh, and textures. Uh, so I really love uh, Manzanita wood, which, which yes. Tom Barr collects. Yep. Uh, he has a really nice range. And I really love Frodo Stone from Adam Pascala. Mm-hmm. So, um, what do you like know. about that stone, George? Is it do you like the detail in it, or the shape in general, or just that just, it doesn't overwhelm? I think, um, I think I really, I really love Syria Stone, or we call it mini landscape yeah. rock over here, uh, and that's still a, a firm favourite. Yeah, it's the most popular but, stone here too. Yeah, but but I like. Um, it's almost like I've used it in so many scapes. It's nice to to, to not use it right. sometimes. So the Frodo stone is actually has a, a, a huge sort of variety in shapes and textures and colours. Um, but I, I, I like yeah I like the shape. It has a lot of kind of right angular um, kind of shapes to it. So you can create sort of like mini kind of cliff edges uh, and. It has like these really interesting sort of gouges in there that have been created by the, you know, erosion um, or something. Yeah, yeah geological, you know, ice, you know, over the thousands of years or whatever. But it really invokes this sort of ancient, and another brand name for it is ancient stone. Right. Um, so it really invokes this kind of this uh, ancient sense of nature. Um, but yeah, I mean, and I have a. It's, it's a really dense stone as well. It's just really heavy and it just looks solid, you know, mm-hmm. it feels solid to work with. I, do, I like the actual uh, process of handling the stone and and looking at it, you know, in my hands before, in, and, and sort of rotating it in all the, right. in all the axis and, and just figuring out how it's going to be positioned in the tank. And, 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 and these guys as well... It, I know Tom Barr very well and I know mm-hmm. Adam very well and so it's not just about the material per se it's also uh, the connection that the material has with the person that's collected it sure so it's a deeper that's it's, awesome. it's a deeper level than just going into a store and, and selecting something that looks good it's that that stone has a story to it right and you know we can go quite deep into uh, aquascaping and in, in terms of how the, the, the kind of deeper spirit, almost spiritual yes. uh, elements that aquascaping can bring to us. So yeah, it's it's just uh, yeah. But going back to the original point, those two are my favorite <laughs> materials. <laughs> well, you brought up an interesting point. Um, I'm going to push you a little farther on this one because 
you know, we talk so much about Takashi Mano and his legacy and, you know, all the influence he's had on the aquascaping hobby. And do you think in light of you're you're pretty up on what's going on in the competitive aquascaping world, too, even though you're not maybe as interested in that at the moment. Do you think that they that there is a definite there was a time when they were re- the world was really getting away from what his original teachings were in aquascaping and some going into this weird diorama thing and you think it's swinging back now or what's your thinking oh, on that? Do you know this is a really I'm opinionated. It's, really, it's a really interesting topic. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you a story. So I think it was two thousand and I wanna say two thousand and eight, two thousand and nine perhaps, where it was the AG it was the AGA, it was 2008, because I judged it. I was one of the judges for the 2008 Aquatic Gardeners Association uh-huh. contest. And Amano was also a judge uh, with me on the on the panel. Oh, wow. And one of the first ever dioramascapes came up on, on this contest. And it was by a guy called Peter Kerwin. He's actually from I've Ireland. I've heard of him. Yeah, I've heard of Peter. The, the Republic of Ireland. A good friend of mine, uh, we were... We were very active members on Tropical Fish Forums, which is one of the early fish forums that, that I became a moderator on when I first started the hobby. Uh-huh. And um, I, I saw the scape and I, I kind of knew it was his because we were friends. But so I, I decided, you know, I wasn't going to necessarily judge it because it had been unfair. Right. But Amano, Amano judged it and he absolutely, it was absolutely one of his favourites. Uh, and you know it was a it was a great you know I think his words were you know this is a groundbreaking aquascape you know this is setting the new thingy interesting setting a new precedent and so he spotted you know back then that this was going to be a, a thing moving forward um, so that, that that's I think this is a really interesting story because obviously now the diorama is very much you know look in the top twenty seven right. of the IPLC and, and sort of eighty percent of them. Will probably be uh, high-end, super detailed dioramas or right. fantasy style. So it's even gone beyond copying a landscape to copying uh, the kind of elements of a landscape, but then putting like a, fan, a fantasy twist on it, where you wouldn't even see anything like this in nature, but right. it still has. So it's 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 just it's just shifted this it's become more art concepts to a completely well not completely but. A, uh, almost a level up or, or sides a sideways step maybe yeah um and 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 it's just i think how, how i ask myself how how can aquascaping as a style evolve well this is just one prong of of the evolution if you like right. in terms of you know you've got this subgroup of diorama and then as you as you evolve that style further you get a, a super detailed diorama and then a more fantastical right diorama uh, and, and so, the, the, I don't think the diorama style is going to go away, and I, uh, I and I think it will evolve further. But you know, like with all kind of fashions and styles, they tend to come full circle. Right. And so, an interesting. I think it was last year where the number one, uh, the grand prize was won by a very much classic yes. nature aquarium layout, and in fact, it did it did cause a lot of controversy because it was almost a direct copy of one of Amano's uh, own layouts. Oh, I didn't hear that backstory. That's interesting. Yeah. Well, if you look, if you look at the yeah, 2018's grand prize, mm-hmm. um, pretty sure. Let me just get it up on my computer right now. Yeah. I did a spout, out, Scott. I'm looking uh, for it now too, actually. Um, well, you but, know, it's, it's, it's interesting too, because the, the diorama style, I guess you can look at it from two two standpoints you could look at it sort of the way you know like they turn out those concept cars at all the car shows yeah and half that technology maybe it trickles down to you know yes. the everyday yeah. driver yeah exactly that. so it's yeah, like I I, like when you talked about super detailed my first mind my first instinct was well using roots and twigs and stuff you can use that in a bunch of different styles you're not just you know having to use it in a detailed diorama style you could use it in a biotope you can use it in whatever so maybe that's good that people are getting that influence even though the style that that it's being used in primarily is maybe something that they don't enjoy um, or don't want to do. And I know from the outside, it's easy for me to sit and criticize these fantasy scapes and underwater waterfalls and all that stuff. And I said, oh, it's ridiculous. I wish these guys would put that same level of effort into a more classic nature style aquarium or 
a semi-biotope kind of thing. But everybody has their own strength, and I guess that's the beauty of, of aquascaping is that it's available yeah. to everybody, right? I mean, even that last year's entry was still an expression of a mono style um, yeah. and yeah, contrary exactly. to trend. Yeah. So um, it is, it's very interesting how, how aquascaping has evolved. And I, I guess the, the contests are a, a window into the, like you say, like the concept car kind mm-hmm. of um, con- yeah, concept of, you know, this is where the direction can go. Um, and it is inspiring. Uh, but my fear, I guess my fear is that mm-hmm. when a newcomer sees these, they just look so out of reach. Yes. It almost might put them off to start. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so, you know, I think things like uh, the work I do with YouTube, you know, I, I deliberately never create a super complex layout. Uh, one, it would be too hard to maintain in the long term. Uh, and two, it's not it's not conforming to my, my, my brand and my mission of, right. of promoting aquascaping with an emphasis on making it accessible. Right. So, and I think this is where you, you guys come in, you know, with, with the tannin yeah. products and the tint and, and uh, promoting this uh, this aesthetic of actually still creating something really beautiful, but it's actually relatively simple to do. Yes. And, he, and you're almost relying on uh, the natural process. Absolutely. That's to integral. Enhance it, to enhance this visual aesthetic. That's exactly um, right. And and that, that's what I like about your tanks, by the way, is you're working with, you know, it's kind of what Amano said, right? You're working with nature instead of against it. Instead of trying to polish it out and edit it, you're kind of letting plants grow. You're letting things evolve. Yeah. That's a yeah. really important thing. Um you know, you use the word evolution quite a bit, like I do, and in, when it comes to aquascaping and aquariums, and that was kind of gets me to the question of with your tanks, your personal tanks. I know that because you're inspiring people, and you, you you know you need you only have so much space to work with. You're redoing tanks periodically, but ideally, if left to your own devices, how long do you think mm. you'd leave a typical aquarium up and running? And is there a point um, where you go, yeah. okay, I got to come down, or what's your mindset? Uh, yeah. It's, it's, uh, of course, a lot of it depends on, on this, the, the style of the aquascape. So this is a really a good example is what I've got running right now in my gallery. So I have a Malawi cichlid aquascape, which is beautiful, uh, by the way. People need to check that out. It yes. doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't change. So it's gorgeous. The, the fish grow. The algae grows on the rocks. I do water changes. I clean the algae. I feed the fish, and that's it. And, and do you know what? I'm really happy with that because. It looks great. It's a fish tank. There's lots of movement. There's lots of colour. The fish act naturally. Yep. Uh, they're pets. They come to the tank every time I get near it, uh, and and it's great. And and I think that's an important point as well because the reason that I can be content with it leaving on its own is because I have more than one tank. Yes. So if that was my only tank, I would be itching to, to redo it. Well, sure. Because I have I have this creative itch that I need to scratch constantly. Right. Creator. Course. Well, you know what's nice too is it's a contrast, and again, I encourage people to look at your video of showing the gallery because you see it's a it's a distinct contrast. But you know, uh, any type of a rift lake tank is going to be a dramatic cont- a contrast between that and a planted aquarium. But for you, it's like as an aquascaper, you're able to use your skills with rock in a very different mm-hmm. way and for a very different reason. And then you know, over there in the distance, you see your your classical nature style aquarium with the rock and the plants integrated, and it really makes both look fresh and interesting. So yeah. it's kind of neat. They, they, they contrast really well. Yeah, yeah, and I so, think it's cool. Yeah, and then I have my flu valve flex, which is just super low energy, just a stock light, no CO2, very little fertilizer, easy plants, and that's home home to my pet better fish, Nimrod. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And this, I, I can see this lasting, this this will probably last six months or so, uh-huh. um, because the plants are growing so slowly, it's algae free. Uh, and then I have the the, the 1200, which is uh, sort of a higher end nature style scape with sort of fast growing stems, you know, crypts, ferns, quite a complex, textured, colourful layout. Uh-huh. And this, this will, this has the potential to last between six months and a year, I would say, uh, before oh, well. I get fed up with trimming the stems so much. <laughs> right, right. It reaches that point. Yeah. Right. Uh, and then I have a new Agumi, which will probably only last three months because I love creating new Agumi. I love the challenge of working with the stone. Mm-hmm. I, love, I love the zen simplicity to it, but I get bored of it because once it's grown in, 
there's no other aspect to go. Right. Just trim it and whatever. Um, You know, but that's interesting. So, you you know, when you think about it, you talk about it, it's like a constant hunger to do more. What do you think? I I mean, I'm not going to ask you to be a trend spotter here, but I'm curious. What do you think, at least in your mind, is the next well, what's the next thing you want to try? And this dovetails with my other question, which do you think people worry too much about what other people think as far as what they're doing? You know, hobbyists trying new things. And, and what do you think you're going to try next? Do you have some idea or is it just going to come to you? Or do you think, and I want to try working with this plant or this style? What, what do you think? How does that play out for you? Whoops. We lost George. I'm going to get him right back here, guys. I'm sorry about that. We're going to come right back here. So we are back with George Farmer, the aquascaper. As usual, uh, technology was the uh, the villain here. We were in the middle of a compelling conversation, I think, and then we got interrupted by it. So without further ado, we'll get back to it. George, we were talking about how long you keep a tank set up, and you were expressing uh, uh, some interest in that topic. And you were talking about the Iwagumi that you keep and how long you keep that one going. yeah. For me, the Iwagumi is the kind of interest I have about the Iwagumi is the setup process of, of the stone arrangement. I get really excited about that, and then and then it's almost just a hardship to grow in the plants without algae. Yeah. <laughs> so because there's so little plant biomass, you really have to focus on the maintenance, the big water changes, the CO2 management, circulation, etc. So as beautiful as they are as high impact as they are it, it doesn't really uh, keep me interested in the long term because once the carpet's grown in it, that's it you know that's kind of mission right. complete there's no real you know it's not like uh, when you're using a lot of epiphyte plants or stem plants it doesn't really you know evolve or give you much kind of long-term excitement so yeah it will give me typically last no longer than three or four months for me yeah. Gotcha. And what about your other, like your typical stem plant setups? Are you looking at those a, a longer term kind of thing or you just don't yeah, really? Yeah, a lot of that actually depends on my personal kind of circumstance. If, if I'm doing a lot of traveling and I don't have time to maintain, I'll, I'll often just take the stem plants out and replace them with grips or something more sustainable. Um, I don't often use many stem plants, stem plants in my layouts, uh, just because of that reason, because of the high maintenance. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're a great plant for for the beginning of an aquascape's life because they just help to establish this balance and fight off the algae. But often I will uh, gradually kind of remove them from the layout in, in, in favour of having a more kind of low, lower maintenance and sustainable aquascape. Do you think somebody just starting out with planted aquascapes should be working with with the stem plants or with are there particular plants that you think are more appropriate i don't mean necessarily species wise but do you think it's better for them to work with stems or for or yeah. bunch plants or what do you think i, I would yeah I'd, I'd, I'd recommend definitely if you're a newcomer uh definitely start out with with easy stem plants uh, and try to make at least half of those plants in the aquascape fast growing stems mm-hmm and they're going to they're going to be really encouraged because it's going to they're going to see the growth, which is really encouraging to start with. Because I remember when I first started at the tank, you know, just to see the plants growing is just a real buzz. Right. You're like, wow. You know, I, per, me personally, I, I kill house plants. Really, <laughs> I never keep a house plant alive, but I can. <laughs> but you, you can... know, it's really exciting to be able to grow aquarium plants. Yeah. Um, and and then they they provide the other functions, so they help yes. to fight off the algae. You know, the faster the growing the plant is the more oxygen it's producing so the fish are going to be healthier the filter bacteria is going to be healthier so they provide so many benefits and and then they can you know if it's a fast growing stem they're going to have to trim it and then they're going to be able to practice their trimming techniques and then that's going to excite them because then they realize every time they trim a stem plant they get two new stems coming right. up and then they think and then they're learning oh wow i can actually have an impact on the composition of the scope just by the trimming right and, and then i can actually make cuttings and then i can even like give these cuttings away to friends and yep you know it's a real you know i think i'd really encourage the use of stem plants especially for beginners definitely well it's cool because like you said getting that skill set is important especially with plants and and 
Do you think, uh, I mean, I know you work, you do setups with and without CO2, but are you, yeah. would you rather use CO2 or not? I mean, in a typical scape, would you just feel better utilizing it or do you think it's not, I mean, what's your mindset yeah, on that? Yeah, I do, I do, if, if I have the option to, I always will use CO2, even in a relatively low light and easy plant setup. And, and the reason for that is just the plant health is just so much better. Yeah. Uh, and like more lush, more compact, more more of a richer green colour. Uh, so yeah, I'd always I'd always use CO2 if I can. It is it can be expensive, you know. A high quality pressurised system isn't cheap, but right. once you once you've invested in that, you just have so much better results with plants, much more chance of success. Yeah, no, I, so I would agree. And the other question I was going to ask you is first, uh, again, inspirations. I mean, we, we talk about, you know, materials, but what, what inspires you? Do you typically look at like you'll, you'll see a natural aquascape or you'll see something that you want to try or what, what is it, again, part, getting back to the process, sort of part two of this, what is it mm. that, that, that makes you say, okay, I have this empty tank. I want to do something with it. What, what is the one thing that kind of hits you? Um, do you know what? It's it, it's never as simple as like a one one thing. Very rarely is it one thing that it, it's normally a combination. Sorry, my dog. No, it's like Tommy. Tommy being very disruptive. <laughs> Not a uh, problem. He's just got. He's just spotted uh, his leftover breakfast. Ah, yeah, there you go. I'll take this in the garden for you. <laughs> Keep him busy. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's normally a huge sort of. Uh, combination of elements so anything from if I've got, I go I do a lot of I take the dog for a walk or I go for a run and I'll see a, a, a specific scene you know as I'm walking through the forest right. by the river and I think oh that looks good that combination of stones against that wood that looks nice and then it could be something it's just spotting something on Instagram yeah uh, or Facebook or YouTube and you know just you- and then just updated you know obviously I'm a huge fan of Amarno. Yes. Uh, you know, he, he's influenced my style and, and me as a person beyond measure. And yeah, just uh, a, a kind of combination of these things. You know, I'm, a, I'm still a huge fan of biotopescapes, and, and these mm-hmm. are getting so good now. Yeah, uh, the, the way the guys are just really nailing this sense, this yeah. natural style, and but they're they're using. They're still using, um, you know, traditional elements of composition and right. uh, that, that you would you would associate with an aquascape, but they're just using the, the, the natural materials in such a way that it doesn't look contrived. It it's doesn't effortless. look like they've deliberately used these compositional guidelines because it just looks so natural. Well, I, I guess think, that's yeah, and I think that's important. I think people are looking at they're not just looking at it from an artistic standpoint. I think you're starting to see a lot of aquascapers, at least my estimation, you're seeing aquascapers look at how natural features in water evolved, why that plant is there, why that, you know, branch, you know, fell into that position in the water and how the plants that grow around it are growing. And I think that's kind of neat. You're seeing people think more in function. And, you know, you're talking about your process just now. I couldn't help but think I was reflecting on some of the, the early writings of Amano. I was reading some of my Amano books not long ago. I often read those. He was really a keen observer of things like growing weeds in a field and, you know, decomposing uh, rooftops on an old cabin in the woods. And and you read his writings and he that the the wabi sabi concept and transients and all those things. It really is deep and it's really applicable to just about every type of natural aquascaping. And I love that you still you still draw very deeply. It, It sounds to me like you draw very deeply on that. Even though you're sort of every man's aquascaper in a way, you're also yeah. a very philosophical aquascaper, aren't you? I, I, I haven't seen that side of you before, and that's kind of cool. Yeah, I have a, a, a really – as I get older, I really appreciate it more, and I feel the sensitivity to it more. It's this really uh, close relationship with nature mm-hmm. that I have. Um, you know, I'm very fortunate to live where I do, and I, I have, I have a, a beautiful river with um, – trees and paths uh, mm-hmm. you know you know sort of less than a mile away from my home mm-hmm. and uh you know england is is known for its greenery and yes you know it's i think you know without sounding like religious or anything too kind of um 
woo woo. Um, you know, I think you know we're all we all have we all are part of the same uh, energy. You know, we yeah. we share this earth together, uh, and I think there's something something really comforting about being uh, near the water and yes. being near like uh, greenery and um, just being amongst the nature. So I think as, as human beings, you know, it's, it's only in the last of, you know, a few hundred years that we've been fully kind of domesticated in terms of, of living, you know, normally within four walls, you right. know, completely cut off from seeing seeing the landscape and, and fresh running water exactly. and trees. Uh, you know, we're normally sitting down at a desk looking at a really bright screen and being bombarded with information that that kind of makes sense to us in, on, a cogn- on a cognitive level. But on a spiritual level or a fundamental kind of... Um, a caveman sort of right. uh, ancestral level. Yeah, it's in it's our DNA sort of, yeah. It's completely confusing and and disruptive to to our to our mental health I would I would suggest. So we need we need to disconnect from this digital world and we need to reconnect with the nature. And yes. you know, I think aquascaping is a really fundamentally important way to help achieve this. So some people will garden, some people will get into houseplants, terrariums, etc. Right. You know, I, I think aquascaping is a level above those because you have this, uh, the element of water, right. light, light uh, movement. Uh, and, you know, you have all these things that you don't necessarily get with, with those other, um, you know, the other things I just mentioned. Right. So for, for this reason, you know, because and as I get older, I, I really understand this now. I really fundamentally have a sensitivity to why I enjoy aquascaping so much and potentially why other people do. So mm-hmm. it was like I was just a passenger. I was passive. I was just, when I started the hobby, I was just like, I love aquascaping. And right. I just enjoyed it. And I was just a passenger on this on this, on this this journey. But now I'm, I have almost, I feel a sense of leadership and responsibility. Yeah. And with that becomes you have to understand why you right. like it so much, why you enjoy it so much, and then to communicate, maybe some of the understanding will just help other people on this journey and hopefully enrich their lives as much as it has enriched mine. It's beautifully said, and and it really is almost like you're an ambassador or an interpreter of nature when you're doing what you're doing. And the other thing. I think that you you probably brought up in a, in a different way, and I'll just clarify it in my my view. Is it also gives it draws attention to the natural environment, and particularly aquascaping to the natural aquatic habitats and the pressures they yeah. face from man, and you know you see what's going on in the Amazon and and so forth. And I, there's something very nice that we're able to get a piece of nature to maybe somebody that has never seen a natural aquatic system. And their impression is this: there's more to it than just you know. Oh, they see the stream flowing through the yard or whatever. There's this yeah. beautiful world underneath, and I think that's you know we as people that are in the aquarium hobby and industry do I think a pretty good job of of sharing that joy with other people, and more so than ever before yeah, with aquascaping. I mean, you guys again, you and the, the, the two or three guys that come to mind have done such a great job of bringing this to everybody and i think that's so important right now in today's world to give everybody that sense of connecting back to nature um and i'm glad you guys are, are really doing that and i'm glad there's a lot of soul behind it and I, I keep talking on this topic with you because i think people need to hear you're more than just an artist churning out works there's a real depth and a real love and connection to nature and the materials and the philosophical thing i think that's so important that people learn that as much as they learn the skills and I, yeah. you know, that's cool. Um, and, you know, I, I, I get this talk. I, I wanted to uh, to change things a little bit to more of the commercial thing right now. But mm-hmm. you are a, a essentially a working professional aquascaper, um, one yeah. of the very few people in the world, I would say, that or at least a handful of people that are actually really a working aquascaper. You do a lot of scapes. And, um, you know, a lot of people uh, – I, I get people approaching me about this all the time. But what um, – do you have any tips for people? A lot of particularly younger scapers approach us about wanting to be sponsored YouTubers or you know Instagram influencers or whatever as a professional aquascaper or, or 
That, do you have any tips for people that want to get started? What is your recommendation um, in, in that yeah, arena? I do get asked this a lot as well. Yeah. Um, I just work, it sounds really corny, and it's something like um, you know Gary Vaynerchuk would say, but mm-hmm. just just work your art for free, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, create as much content as you can, and don't be afraid to do it for free because you're not going to get any credibility until you have a portfolio of credible work, right? And so you might have to invest yourself in that. You can't necessarily approach a brand or a company and say, you know, I've got 50 Instagram followers, you know, <laughs> right. I haven't really got any Aquascapes yet, but can you support me? You're not, it's not really going to be a, an effective business model. So, right. you know, offer your services for free to help create this content. So go into your local fish store if, if they, you know, they might give you the opportunity to aquascope for them. You know, hopefully you'll have that, they'll give you access to all of their, you know, plants and, and hardscape, etc. If you, you know, if you've got a fairly decent aquascape at home, taking a photo and say, look, this is, this is what I can do. Would you allow me to do it in your store? If you're quite comfortable with public speaking, you might even want to offer a free workshop. Um, and just, yeah, just work for free. Just get yourself out there. Yep. Um, you know, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, uh, they're all free it's, to use. It's never so been easier, you, you know. A- a- absolutely exploit these. But yeah. obviously the, the counterpoint to that is because they're free to use, everyone is using them. So you have to set yourself apart somehow. Sure. You have to you, you quality, you know, with just really detailed advice, things like Instagram, really think about that grid. You know, you have that, those nine photos when you look at someone's profile, make sure they're following the same theme, make sure they're very high quality images. If, if you if you want to start an Instagram, uh, an aquascaping focused Instagram account, just post photos of Instagram. Don't post pictures of your dog, your girlfriend, <laughs> right. selfies of drinking beer, Right. you know, Focus on your mission and, and, and stay really tightly focused on, on uh, that message that you want to um, communicate. Fantastic um, tips. So yeah, just 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 really hard work. But have having have a plan um, and surround yourself with like-minded people. Um, you know, I've, I've noticed this recently. Is is ditch the loser friends yeah uh, so if you have a if you had 100 friends you know probably 80 of them i would say are loser friends and then really have a tight connection with those five best friends because you are almost you are almost a reflection of, of the people you surround sure. you are a reflection of the people you surround yourself with so just make sure you surround yourself with the best people and it's about positivity and and, and taking care of others too i think you know, yes. Like the giving without expectation. There's so many things that go with it. But it's nice to see that. Do you think it is possible for somebody to – well, I mean I know you do. But I'm going to say it so the audience hears it. you think it's possible for some kid, somebody out there to sort of create their own career in the aquascaping world as a course? I mean it's possible now. I don't, do you agree? I mean you can – I do. I do agree. It's not easy but you can do it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's – it, it, it's going to be a challenge. If it was easy, everyone would be doing right, it. Right, right. Um, a lot of it is down to luck as well, you know, ge- geographically. Right. Um, you know, I think the United States is a little bit of a disadvantage because it's such a huge span of land. Right. And there's very few, like, there might there might be 10 aquascaping specialist stores, but they're spread over such a lot. Of landmass, whereas there's ten in the UK, you know, we can yeah. get to them by you know three hours on a train, you know. So yes. there's there's the jag, there's the geography aspect and the population density and, and all these kind of demographics to consider. Um, but with the age of the internet and you know remote working uh, and you know digital, all these social media platforms now, uh, it's very. I've seen guys grow from, you know. I don't particularly want to mention any names, but right. there's, there's guys that have grown from zero to fifty thousand Instagrammers in in twelve months yeah. uh, uh, with no paid advertising, just organic, just hard work, yeah. inspiring content, and you know with that with that comes uh, a, a level of influence where you can start approaching brands, and then you can start building 
a career that way. So right. it's definitely achievable. It's just it's just hard work, uh, tenacity, and the number one word is passion. If you're not passionate and you don't absolutely get obsessed and love what you're doing, then you're probably not going to succeed. As a professional <laughs> Amen. Speaker, I would say. Amen. Where do you see Where do you see uh, George Farmer in five years? Where, where do you, What do you What do you see yourself oh, doing? What What do you What will you have accomplished, or what do you hope to accomplish? I just I just like to be able to just communicate the message to more and more people and, and change. It sounds cheesy, but change people's lives for the better yeah. uh, in terms of having aquascape and enrich them. So just I guess growing that that level of engagement. Um, you know. Growing on on the on the various platforms, uh, still working with with close brands. You know, we've done some great work together. Yes. And get, you know, I'm sure we will do oh, in the yes. future. Um, and just spreading this this positivity as as far and wide as I can. Uh, and just and, and number one is is still enjoying it. I think. Well, it's interesting when I first started when I took this leap into the professional world. I was really worried. I was actually quite anxious about would it ruin my passion for the hobby. I, I um, can relate. Would, I understand. Yes. Would I want to keep any aquariums at home? Would I get fed up of maintaining my own tanks? Would I get fed up of escaping my own tanks? Right. Um, and so, and this, it was a genuine anxiety I had. And um, thank, thankfully, my level of passion and obsession with aquascaping knows no bounds. So I'm still absolutely, I'm just looking at my sacred tank now and thinking, I can't wait to clean those rocks today. <laughs> in the same way. You know, so, I get yeah. it. Yeah, it's in, yeah. It's, it's something that's in your blood. If you're a real, if, if it's the real thing for you, um, yeah. that, that's what goes in your mind. Um, do you, um, do you see that you're going to do any more like product development type things down the line? Or do you think you're going to just continue to do more creative scaping type stuff? Or do you have any thoughts on, on that? Yeah, I think uh, nothing is out of the question. If, if there's the right opportunities that come along that, that uh, fit the, my kind of mission of promoting aquascaping and making aquascaping more accessible to other people, then, then nothing, I don't rule anything out. And product development is, of course another enabler to help achieve this right. goal. Um, they're, they're, I do have product ideas. I do work closely with uh, you know other brands and they obviously listen to what I have to say. So yeah, um, there's, there's, there's lots of product ideas that would help make aquascaping easier for people. And yeah, so watch your space, I guess. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. No, that's cool. I think, it, I think it's great. Yeah. Now, how long do you think the red colander is going to continue to be with you? Is it the same red colander for 15 years? Yeah. Is it the Se- same one? I think it's 17 years 17 old. 17 yeah. years old. Is that yeah. the longest you've had any piece of aquarium equipment? Yeah, it is. And I have some JBL tweezers uh, uh-huh. um, that are probably 15 years old I- that I've managed I've lost all other tools apart from this set of tweezers. So. <laughs> it lasts forever. I kid you not. I have a Tetra. Remember when Tetra made those pumps? They called them the Luft pump. That It was like a brown air pump. Yeah. I kid you not. I have this one since I was, I think, around 15 years old. And it still that's works. Amazing. I have, that's amazing. That's almost, I don't want to say how many years, but several decades. And this thing is still working. That's crazy. I, isn't that crazy? And, 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 you know, when you're a kid, you don't really maintain your equipment all that well. And no, you're supposed no, to change exactly. the air filter. It thing still works. Something about quality equipment that lasts. That's why every time I see you with the colander, I laugh because I go, you know, this is something that you've obviously have a deep connection to. Yeah, Not absolutely. Just, it's, yeah. it's almost a trademark, you know, it's kind of funny, but, um, but that's good. I think I'd like to see, I think I'd like to see, um, like a retro aquarium, you know, like something from the yeah. 70s. Metal like, frame kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And, and but with a, like a really like modern aquascape in it, I think that would be really cool. That, that would be cool. I, that would be really cool. I mean, I remember my first aquarium was like a, it was a five US gallon metal frame aquarium like that. It hadn't even had yeah. the metal light like the canopies. Remember the light canopies used to be metal too, and incandescent bulbs. And you know, we somehow yeah. grew plants not well, but we grew them. So let me ask you. Let me ask you a question. Stop. Sure. So your background is, is marine, right? Yeah, my, my uh, hobby, aquarium background in the industry was marine. That's correct. Coral, specifically reefs. Uh, that's interesting because so one of my future projects is potentially going to be having a super high-end reef tank in the gallery. Oh, cool. 
you'll that's an exclusive by the way for this podcast nice you heard it here first folks and and you know what's cool is i have wanted for so long to see and i'm seeing a few people do this i see real high-end uh freshwater aquascapers go into reef because you talk about a world that i'm very familiar with and a world that needs to have more emphasis on aquascaping yeah. Uh, it's the reef world. I used to actually gave my, I was, I was kind of an A-list celebrity, as we say here in Hollywood, in the reef world. <laughs> when I came to the freshwater world, no one knew who the hell I was. But yeah. but I would go out and talk about aquascaping. That was my thing. And this yeah. was seven, eight years ago, and nobody was talking about aquascaping in the reef world. They're still not talking about it. I think I was like the only guy that was talking about it. And to have someone of your caliber play with a reef tank, yeah. And I've seen a few guys on Instagram do this. It, the approach would be so different and so exciting for think, so many people. I think people. it would. I, I, one of the, Love it. The, one of the, the best scapes I've seen is, is by our friend Johnny, Johnny Seals. Oh, yeah. yeah. With, with the upside down. Yes. I think that was just so groundbreaking. I loved that. It was crazy. Here's my, I'll tell you my dreamscape, and here's something that a planted guy should do with. Well, I'm thinking of like, you, you ever seen those islands in Palau in Micronesia? They're like coral rock. And then there's like yeah. above them, there's like a jungle and underneath there's coral. Yes. I yes. have wanted to do that for 10 years. I just never got around to it. Eventually I'm going to do that. But can you imagine doing some, you know, I essentially it would be terrestrial plants on the surface and then yeah. coral underneath. That would be stunning, but I just have not seen anybody do that yet. And it shouldn't be no. that hard. I mean, the, the, I guess like the mangrove system thing is relatively popular, but they yes. have something a bit more like the contrast between like the high end sort of corals underneath and then real terrarium stuff on top. Yeah. That would be, that'd be amazing. It'd be stunning. And I, and I think you, I, I would love to see also a, a plant guy like you play with macroalgae because that's something that, you know, you see these marine macroalgae tanks and they're yeah. usually kind of, eh. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, I, did, I don't know if you've seen it. I did do one. Oh, um, did you? I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, just uh, with some nice live rock. I did like a two-island design with just loads of different macroalgae growing from the rock and then some Bangai cardinal fish. Oh, there. nice. Yeah, yeah nice. cool. Just type in um, George Farmer planted marine tank. Oh, I'll have to do that. Google and you'll see it. Yeah. When, when was that? <laughs> How long ago was that? That, that, that was... Two thousand and nine. Oh, you're overdue for a new one. You're overdue to do a new marine tank for sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, but see, that's what's cool is that you're not. Again, the thing I've said at the outset of the the part one of our podcast. Now, what I said was, you don't put yourself into one thing. You're always trying new stuff. You're getting out of your comfort zone, and I love that there are people that still do that in the hobby. Instead I think of, you need. I think it's an absolute necessity if you yeah. want to evolve and grow. Then you can't just do the same thing over and over. You might get really good at the same thing, but what's the fun in that? <laughs> right. But shockingly, so many people want to do what's comfortable for them. They yeah. don't want to get out of that comfort zone, and and as a result, it's not only bad for them; it's bad for the hobby. I think because the hobby doesn't progress when people are afraid to push boundaries. You know, yeah. there was a lot of, especially in the early, you were on the early days of the internet with the hobby, yeah. is there was a lot of, if you were doing something different, you would get pounded oh, by people. Oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. I remember and, some of that, oh, yeah. I had a lawsuit Push, against me. Yeah. Oh, um, really? Yeah. Yeah, it, yeah it, so I wrote, um, so back in the day, and it was when I started writing for PFK, um, there was one one writer that would be absolutely against the use of nitrates and phosphates, and he would use um, undergravel heating and and garden soil and stuff like this, and absolutely fine. Not, not got an issue with that. He was having success, absolutely no problem. And then um, I wrote an article uh, sort of explaining my methods, mm-hmm. and long story short, um, he felt I was discrediting his methods. So, oh. yeah, he tried to see me for libel. <laughs> that's, you know, that's that's crazy, but that's, exactly. That's the kind of people that haunt the, uh, the, the hobby sometimes. It's the dark side of the hobby, and fortunately there's not many of them, but... There's some weird people yeah. out there, and uh, like in any endeavor, I guess. But it, it's yeah. but it is nice to see that you're you're pushing the limits, and I, I think that's again a good takeaway here. Is I always say that George Farmer is the every man's aquascape, the Tom Hanks of aquascaping. Everybody can relate yeah. to him. You know what I mean? I think that's a, I think that's a compliment. It, it is really a compliment so because you <laughs> you take something that to a lot of people is intimidating and scary, and you make it fun and useful. Yet you're still pushing yourself out of your comfort zone. And that's a great thing for people to see and think about. You know, we don't think about that all the time, that we really grow by pushing ourselves outside. And one of the hardest things I had to come up with, come up with mindset when I started Tannin Aquatics is that 
I, you know, I came from the marine side and it was just progressing fast, but I came into this, to the freshwater world and unknown, took, talk, started talking about dirty tanks, which people have been playing with this stuff for a long time, this tinted water and stuff. Yeah. But it really yeah. rubbed some people the wrong way. And they said, well, you didn't invent this stuff. I never said I did. But yeah. also, you know, this is this is dangerous. No, it isn't. <laughs> How do you know that? Yeah. Have you ever done this? Yeah. People are always going to tell you negatives. And I love that you push through and just do stuff. And I think that is I have nothing but respect for people that do stuff. And that's, I appreciate that. And then, and then if, you know, without wanting to sound sort of backslapping each other too much. It but, does, but. You know, I really, <laughs> really appreciate you, you, you know, the tannin brand and the tint and, and the you. way you churning out excellent podcasts and, yeah. and articles, blogs. And, Thank you. you know, the, the content is, is really inspiring and, um, yeah, it's, it's like it's you. To see. It, it comes from the heart, you know. I wish my media was yeah. was visual, but I'm not. A, I'm just not a photography kind of guy. I, fortunately, I work with people like Johnny Ziotti who does yeah. the videos, but uh, I yeah. don't have YouTube. I go with the podcast or the writing. And you, fortunately, have that blessed with both the the, the ability to write and to do video, which is huge. And it, it it's so important that people, I think really follow good guys like you in the hobby and continue. I'm, that's why I'm so happy you hit a hundred thousand. That's a huge number. It really is. It's an influential number, you know? And yeah. I still have to apply for my silver play button. Oh, you got to get that. Just, just, just reminded me. <laughs> yeah. You got to get that. And I thought and, I might use it in an aquascape. Oh, <laughs> that would be funny, but it might be harmful for the environment. Who knows? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah exactly. Let's talk about the emails you're going to get from people after that. But no, but it's, it's, it's really great that you're doing that. And I think, um, I think it's fun to see that people come along for the ride nowadays. It's a great time to be in the hobby, isn't it? I mean, we can it really... It's, a, it's a definitely, uh, yeah, with the amount of inspirational content out there now, it is a great time. It, is a, it can be a confusing time, though. Sure. Because there's so much information out there and that everyone's an expert now on the Facebook groups, which I've yeah. noticed. Yeah. Uh, so it's hard to... It's hard to kind of, you know, sort out the wheat from the chaff. So what I, what I would do recommend, and for the listeners out there that might be beginners, is is find, doesn't have to be me, doesn't have to be Scott, but find someone that is has a, rep, a good reputation and credibility in the hobby and just stick with their advice. Yeah. Uh, because the danger of kind of picking and choosing different methodologies, different, different kind of types of advice is that you'll run the risk of one of those being not compatible with another. Very good uh, so, point. So, so you have to be consistent with, with the kind of techniques and the methodologies that you're following. Excellent um, point. And, and yeah, and, it, and also to just reinforce the fact that there is no real one way is the best way. There's so many different ways. There's no different, so different, so many paths right. to success. Um, just choose the one that, that suits, suits you. Excellent point. And, 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 and research. I think I, I, yeah. nothing frustrates me more than like a guy like you who has hundreds of videos out there, dozens and dozens and dozens of store appearances, articles. I have hundreds of articles, same kind of yeah. thing. And people come and say, how do I do this? And you're like, I've got entire, there's so much information out there. Why, why can't you take the effort? If it's really something you're into, you should yeah. be able to research it. I, that's the one well, pet peeve I have when I get a little mad at people. I think I think that's very justified. I think yeah. this is I think this is a reflection of the way society is going yes. and, on, and online because we live very much in an instant gratification society. Absolutely, where you can get an answer to a question almost instantly, and and this has become the norm. This has become part of our culture, and and so this is now obviously spread into the hobby. So someone's just bought a fish tank, you know, they'll go onto a Facebook group and go, "What do I do?" Yep. You know, and then they'll get, and because of the nature of Facebook groups now, you'll get some very enthusiastic hobbyists that aren't necessarily best placed to give them advice. They're just, they're new, they're enthusiastic, they want to spread their knowledge. Yes. And it might not necessarily be the best thing for that newcomer. So this is, this is the, this is the potential danger that I see a lot because I, I do try to focus a lot of now attention on, on beginner friendly, Yes. large Facebook groups because you know it, this helps to achieve my mission of promoting aquascaping to newcomers so yes. by the default I go onto a Facebook group with you know 75,000 members and the unfortunately a lot of the posts are 
well well means that you know they're well kind of intentions good, right good intent but poor poor advice so this yeah. is the danger yeah yeah i i i agree uh, you have to take some things with a grain of salt and some things you just have to run away from but um yeah. you know again i think that, again that speaks a lot to your character you're you're going out on these big groups you you don't have anything to prove to anybody you're very well respected, well known in the hobby. You've you've paid your dues, yet you're still going out every day, and dealing with people. That's a quality in the hobby in general. That there's great people in the fish world, in the aquarium world, and I think that that's really nice to see. That you know, here's somebody that you're obviously you're extremely busy. You're doing a lot of things, but you take that time, and that's that's a really important thing because at the end of the day, it's all about relationships and. I think that's yeah. maybe where Amano was talking about a relationship with nature, but it's also about relationships with ourselves, with each, with each other. And I think that that's mm-hmm. great that you have personalized it and um, right. continue to do that. Um, right. Well, gosh, I'm keeping you. It's 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 like uh, early morning for you now. It's what about seven o'clock or so? So yeah. I've, and I told you I was only going to keep you for 45 minutes and now we've done basically a two-parter thanks to technology <laughs> fail. And I think yeah, we could cool, have man. talked – I think we could talk for hours more but we'll have to have you back again because I think oh, – I'd you, love to be back because oh, I, I love these conversations. It's really great. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's a, it's a pleasure. And, and again, uh, where can people find you? What's the best uh, channel – your YouTube channel? Just uh, Yeah, just, just like search George Farmer on YouTube. Um, George Farmer Studios on um, Instagram. In- that's the one. Yeah, your Instagram <laughs> channel is great. It's it's people really need to follow that. There's a lot of really great, inspiring stuff there too. Um, any upcoming trips? I know it's uh, right now. It's September first yeah. or September second here. Uh, Aquashella at the end of the month. Oh, you going to Aquashella? Yeah. Uh, are you going? Unfortunately, no. But I was. Some people said, "Are you going to go? You should go." And I just I can't fit it in my schedule. But are you? Uh, you did aquatic experience last year too, didn't I, you? I'm, I'm doing aquatic experience as well. Well, I so. might see you there. I'm gonna I'm gonna think about if I can pull away. I've got a lot of things going on, but if I can pull away, I would definitely want to go. That'd be a lot of fun to to, to say hi to you there. Um, yeah, got, where, where are you West Coast? I'm in Los Angeles. Oh, yeah, Los Angeles. And it's uh, in New Jersey, so East Coast. But uh, Yeah, okay. But uh, are you going to do another escape off against uh, Joey or somebody? Or no, that, he, he's, he's, he's scared against him off. Dustin. Ah, Dustin, okay. you know, Dustin's fish tank. So yes, yeah, Dustin's. A little, a little bit more kind of balanced on yeah. the uh, capability, shall yeah. we say. Yeah, I was going to say, I think he, he needed to find a different op- opponent. <laughs> so, <laughs> good for him. Well, that's great. Again, thanks so much for the time. And uh, it's uh, it's always a pleasure to talk to you and see your work. And and uh, always been a friend to Tannen and, and uh, we'll continue yeah. to. To likewise, hopefully likewise, mate, yeah, keep up the great work it's, thank you uh, it's really appreciated thanks it means a lot and uh again thanks to everybody for uh taking time out of your day or, or days if you've listened to this consecutive days uh to for tuning in we look forward to seeing you on the next installment of the tints <laughs>